If you're like most, you tend to look at the outward appearances of another and make judgments and comparisons. Pastor Ed Taylor shares these thoughts on the matter. Shame on us for comparing ourselves outwardly. It leads to nothing but pride and arrogance and condemnation and a discontentment. You know, that church is the fastest growing this or the largest youth group or the best pinball machines, whatever. None of it matters. It's the wrong measurement. It's the wrong measurement. Even though we are conditioned to look outwardly, it's something we have to battle. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's time once again for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Thanks for joining us today as we continue Pastor Ed's verse-by-verse look at 2 Corinthians. Have you ever looked at someone, maybe how they're dressed, and right away made some conclusions about them, and later on down the road, you discovered you had it all wrong? We tend to do things like that more often than we care to admit, but today we'll discover it's not a wise thing to do. Pastor Ed has framed his message around 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 12, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves, and they are the, the, the people that are undermining, the people that are trying to undo the ministry there, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So mark verse 12 in your Bible, would you? Circle it, put a star next to it, put a, a frowny face, not a smiley face, but put a frowny face next to it because this is a verse teaching us that it is not wise to compare yourself with other people. In the church, outside of the church, don't do it. It's not wise. I'll give you a couple reasons. It's not wise to compare ourselves with others because one of a couple things are going to happen. The first one is... It would be very easy for you to find someone who is doing much worse than you. Just, you know, the attitude of, man, I'm doing pretty bad, but that brother is worse. And if that is how you compare yourself and you just find people that are doing worse than you, then what's going to happen is you're going to become prideful. It's going to inflame your pride. And you will have a tendency to always find people that are doing worse than you so you can feel good about your worst condition and it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help you because now you're prideful and it doesn't help the other person because you have pity on them but you don't help and serve them. That's a possibility. The other possibility with, with why I can see it's not wise to compare ourselves is, is that when we compare ourselves, we'll either be puffed up with pride on the one side or we may find someone that's doing much better than us and then we'll be discouraged and start to condemn ourselves because we never measure up to the person that's doing better than us. And you find yourself in, in two different places. And by the way, the main reason why it's not wise to compare yourself is, first of all, the Bible says it's unwise. You don't want to be unwise. But secondly, it is seeing people and judging people outwardly by a human standard. That's this whole section is Paul going, stop it. The standard in our lives is not another human being. The standard in our lives is God, the human, in the person of Jesus Christ. 
Comparing ourselves with others is not wise. Instead, Paul would write to young Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world and certain that we can carry nothing out. Contentment puts us where we belong. Contentment puts God where he belongs. Contentment puts us where we belong. Contentment puts God where he belongs. And it's very simple. When we're content, we recognize God is God. And when we're content, we recognize that we're human and we're dependent upon the God that we know who is God. Puts things in order. Comparison now in the church among believers puts things on a human scale. It's very limiting. Everything's on the outward level. You know, like churches, we've talked about it. It's kind of these studies so go well together. It's just not wise to compare churches with churches. Like, well, you know, what church has the best worship team? Compared to what? Compared to, well, church to church? What about compared to heaven? Is that, is that worship team compared to the angels singing in heaven? Oh, no, but they're better than you. Well, what's that all about? My Bible says that my, my joyful noise, some of you have sat around me when I sing, and you know, it's a joyful noise. You know that. You're just like, who's that? Oh, it's Ed. I can't say anything, you know. <laughs> Bald head, crooked nose, and he can't sing, you know. That's... My Bible says that a joyful noise is well-pleasing to the Lord. So what are you? You got, you know, the note and, you know, this whole thing of, you know, American Idol and the voice have j- just messed us up. You know, yeah, at the end of worship, yeah, I give them a five. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not turning my seat on them, you know. It's like, it's like, what? As if we can really judge the hearts of people when they worship and sing or when they hit a note. Or, I mean, I know some of you are really musical, and, and I, I appreciate that because we want to give God our best for sure. But really, you know, as the climate that we're in, especially with music, make us now we're comparing churches. Well, they got the best worship. They got the best worship. No, nobody has the best worship. I'll just let you, let you know right now. Nobody does. Nobody has the best worship or the best building. You know, I really, I, I really go back to that church, you know, but their building stinks. I know. I know. It doesn't matter to me. I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. We're just lucky we aren't snowed on right now, meeting under a tree. When did it become the best building? Well, you know, that church, they got a brand new building. So what? Who cares? What difference does it make? Well, when you're comparing outwardly, it makes all the difference in the world. You know, that new church meeting in a school is honoring God. It doesn't matter what building it is, whether they own it or not. None of that stuff matters. Or, you know, the, who has, that church got the best coffee. You know, we got the best coffee. Come, come and we got the best coffee. You know what kind of coffee we have? Do you guys know? You probably don't even know. We have a brother in the church that works for a coffee company that has talked to his boss and they donate coffee to us. They donate and we buy a little bit extra when we run out but there's a brother that's been faithfully giving free coffee to this church almost since we moved into the building. And so what do we serve you? What somebody's given unto the Lord. That's somebody's precious gift. That's a company because he works for a company so he had to talk to his boss. He can't just do it himself. And he's offered, they have said, sure, go ahead and give that bag to them or two bags. I don't even know what they give us now. Um, and, and that's what we serve. And I'm sure we buy extra because we, we go through a lot. But like we're going we're gonna to bag on somebody's, no pun intended, bag of coffee. <laughs> I didn't mean that, but it works. We're going to put down the coffee at a church. Like what difference does that make? But it was somebody's offering unto the Lord. You see what outward appearances do? 
We judge a church by its cover, its building, the best worship, the best teaching. What does that mean, the best teaching? Just open the Bible and read it and let the Holy Spirit be the best teacher. It's it, it, like the best teaching, the best chairs, the best, the best, the best. The best is Jesus. Until we have him, everything pales in comparison. Until we're in his presence in heaven, until we're worshiping it with the angels, until we are, can you imagine what it's going to be like in the presence of Jesus? Can you imagine what it was like for the two on the road to Emmaus as Jesus opened up the word to them and from the beginning all the way to the end showed himself? It's going to be like that in heaven, but better. And so shame on us for comparing ourselves outwardly. It leads to nothing but pride and arrogance and condemnation and a discontentment. You know, that church is the fastest growing this or the largest youth group or the best pinball machines, whatever. None of it matters. It's the wrong measurement. It's the wrong measurement. Even though we are conditioned to look outwardly, it's something we have to battle. We are conditioned to look outwardly. You know, the Bible says that we look outwardly. You go, but Ed, I can't help it. I know. There's a part of you humanly, I can't help it. Jot it down. Again, I know we're not turning much because we're out, almost out of time, but jot this down. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. And now listen. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I want you to know, because usually the last part of that verse is emphasized, the Lord looks at the heart. We go, oh God, thank you. You know my heart. You know me. Um, people are seeing outward appearance, and, and, and that's true, but I want you to know that both parts of that verse are true. Man does look at the outward appearance, and God does look at the heart. Not all the time. You know, we're not able to know the heart. God sometimes reveals it, but I can't look at your heart. I wouldn't presume to do that. It was much easier for me to judge you outwardly and see you outwardly, but it's wrong. It's wrong. I even tell the young guys here, I tell them, you know, the Bible says... To, for the young guys, the interns and the, the newer pastors, I say the Bible says to not let anyone despise your youth. And I add, I add to that. It says that's what the Bible says. And then I add, and don't give them a reason to because people look outwardly. And we have to acknowledge that so that we can break down any of the barriers, especially for young people. You know, God's hand can be on a young person. We see that often. God's hand can be on little David. He's a kid. God's hand was upon him. He took Goliath down. Nobody believed it because they just saw him as a ruddy kid. God's hand and anointing can be on a kid. And we have to be careful now. Well, you're just a kid. Well, you're going to miss a real good show then because there's a Goliath coming down somewhere because <laughs> God's going to use that kid and God's going to use that person no matter what they look like on the outward. So back into our text now, verse 13. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God has appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. For we're not extending ourselves beyond our sphere, thus not reaching you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and do not boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. Basically what Paul's saying is God called me to go to Corinth. Nobody was in Corinth. Nobody was preaching the gospel in Corinth. So God led me there. I preached the gospel. You, got, you, you believed the gospel. You repented of your sins. As church started, you're my sphere. 
God sent me to you. You're my sphere. You know, we'll use the phrase. Have you guys ever heard the phrase, the sphere of influence? It's just referring to the amount of people you can influence. You have family, friends, people you work with. You have a sphere, other people, and sometimes they overlap. That's the same type of picture that he's using here. He's saying, look, in the ministry, serving God, you, I was called to you. And if you draw a circle and I have a sphere of influence, Corinthians, you're in it. You're in it. God put me in your life. I didn't do it. God did it, and I obeyed him, and I'm not boasting. This strong letter or my strong words to you, I'm not trying to boast beyond what God has done in my life. You want to have a pastor like that in your life, one that doesn't boast and is not concerned about other spheres. He's just focused upon what's in front of him. Paul, he gives us the heart of a true pastor. He gives us the heart of a true pastor. He reminds them. You know, we haven't turned much, so turn back just a few pages. Chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians. Paul reminds them that they are his sphere. I have had time on occasion, and I know many of the pastors have as well, in a very difficult counseling situation, and there's a lot of battle and a lot of, there, there's a time where you just have to say, God put me in your life. God put me in, I came here in 99, you came here in 2001, God put us together, God put me in your life. And, and that's what Paul's saying. God put me in your life. You guys don't like me, you think I'm ugly and I can't speak and whatever, I don't care. God put me in your life. And that's, I'm going to tell you the truth. God put me in your life. And so notice verse uh, 1 of chapter 3. The same thing he's dealing with. Do we begin to commend ourselves or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you? You, and this is another way of saying you're my sphere. You are our epistle written in our hearts. You, you know you're a manifestly, verse 3, an epistle of Christ ministered by, what does your Bible say? Us. He's saying the same thing, different words. We're not overextending ourselves. It's interesting, you know, back in chapter 10, you know, he's not boasting beyond measure. We're not, verse 14, not extending ourselves beyond our sphere. I'm just dealing with the people in my life. Paul's stating a fact while highlighting the false enemies, what were they were doing in the church. They were trying to take authority that wasn't theirs. They were boasting in a sphere that wasn't theirs. God didn't use them to plant the church. God didn't use them to disciple the church. God didn't use them to build up. It's interesting, they came in after Paul left to take advantage of Paul's absence and did a really good job. He wasn't boasting or bragging or trying to impress others. And we talk about Modesto Manifesto a lot. It's that document that Billy Graham Association developed early on in the ministry. And he developed it in, in a way where, they, where the folks serving with Billy Graham would make a decision and say, we will, we will use these guidelines to help us keep us above reproach. And we'll often use the popular ones, things like they will never be alone with another woman uh, so that they'll just guard against you know, only their wife or their kids or, or their children or their mom or something, but not with another woman because you know, that, that could lead to something really, they, they're going to be above reproach with someone of the opposite sex. And we often will mention another one where they'll, they'll always give God glory and they're not going to take God's glory upon themselves. They're not going to uh, boast about their evangelistic meetings or even exaggerate. And uh, Have you guys ever heard of the phrase evangelistically speaking? Have you guys heard of that? That's the idea in the early days of evangelistic crusades that, that those that were a part of them would not tell the truth about how many people came or how many people got saved. And they would say, you know, we just had this crusade to build themselves up and 100,000 people came and you were there and you're like, dude, I just saw like 100. What were that? What was that? And that would be a way of saying they were evangelistically speaking. It was kind of like a byword in the days of mass evangelism like that. And it was just another way of saying they're lying. 
And Billy Graham said, we're not going to do that. We're going to tell the truth. But some of the ones that aren't often mentioned is this is one of the guidelines. They're not boasting beyond measure. This was another thing. They were just going to be faithful to what God put them. They're not going to speak evil of another ministry. They're not going to over-exaggerate. This is another tenet of the Modesto Manifesto that you, if, if serving here, your leaders, or if, depending on what capacity you're in, I'm going to share with you and say, look, this is one of the documents that we use to help us keep us above reproach, and this is one of them. Don't exaggerate. Don't boast beyond measure. Just be faithful and content with what God has for you. Don't try to impress anybody because you don't impress anyone. I mean, you might, but it really isn't because you're not telling the truth. Let God be the one that's impressing people. And what an encouragement to know, like Paul, that God has given us a place of ministry. That's an encouragement that God has given to me. Man hasn't given it to me. God has given me a place of ministry. God has given me a sphere. I want you to have that same confidence. I want you to be able to say the same thing. I want you to be able to say, God has given me a sphere of ministry. He's given me a people to reach. He's given me a, a task to do in his name. And for me, I am very grateful that God would give me confirmation that I have a sphere of ministry as well. Another thing here that I want you to see is, and this one I want you to turn to Romans chapter 15. This verse here in verse 15 in 2 Corinthians 10, not boasting in things beyond measure, that is in another men's labors, but having hope as your faith is increased, that, that is a very important verse that God used in my life. And it's a very important verse along with Romans chapter 15 that moved me here to this city. You know, scripture can move you, not just physically, but it can move you. It, it can, God can speak a word so strong in your heart that you will make decisions based on the word of God. And this is one of those verses in my life personally. This one in Romans 15, notice verse 20. Paul's writing to the Romans and he says, So I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. And being in Southern California in the time and being involved in all of the, the great wave of ministry and the outflowing of the, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the, the revival that God was, is doing and still doing and even being a small part of it at Calvary Chapel, when we started praying about planting a church, all I could see was Calvary chapels everywhere where I grew up. I, I, I went to a Calvary Chapel. I had to go all the way down a street, go another street, get on the highway, uh, the freeway. They call them highways out here, California. The freeways, they go up, except for 470. 470 is not a freeway. It's a tollway. It should be a freeway. How many vote that that should be a freeway? Thank you. Me too. We should write like a little note, man. <laughs> Give me my money back too while you're at it. But I'm going, I'm going down the street. I'm going down. I get on the freeway and I have to go all the way down miles to get off. And I go down another street and I make a left and boom, I'm at Calvary Chapel. In that trip, depending on how you look at it, we pass between three and five Calvary Chapels on the way to the Calvary Chapel that God called us to. It was so, it wasn't that far. It was only about 10 miles from our house, but through that, we were even praying about whether we should go to a Calvary Chapel that was closer to us. We prayed about that. You know, should we drive over there or, or should we go to the Calvary Chapel that literally, listen, we lived in an apartment building that walking distance to the Calvary Chapel was about 45 seconds. And God said, no, 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 I want you to drive the 10, 11 miles because that's the church I called you to. So we stayed there and made friends with all those pastors instead. And so when we were praying about planning a church... We had a large home Bible study in our apartment, and then we moved from house to house. We had a large group of people. I mean, when we split that up, it went into two and could have gone into three. Um, and, and we're just like, well, maybe we should just take this group and plant a church. And this is when the verses said, no, 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 Ed. 
I don't want you to build on another man's foundation. I want you to leave California. And I said, where? And that's when the search began. And we were praying about Chandler, Arizona. Can you believe that? Chandler, Arizona. Fastest growing city in 1998 of a city over 250,000 people. No Calvary Chapel there. We were praying about Chandler, Arizona. But then I found out how hot it gets there. Not like I didn't know, but it was too hot. Another place we were praying was uh, Marietta, Georgia. Marietta, Georgia. The company I worked for had an office there, Marietta, Georgia. Until I found out that the bugs there are big enough to carry you away. <laughs> and the Lord shut the doors. It wasn't that. You're like, hey, is that how you make decisions? <laughs> Not completely, but uh, the Lord closed. Yeah, the snow's fine. snow's fine. I mean, the snow's fine. It's a whole different story. And you come to the welcome dessert. I share a little bit how we came to Colorado. But it was this verse right here. These two verses moved us changed our direction of our life, God did. And I'm so grateful that he did because here in Aurora, for the length of time that Calvary Chapel, because again, it's not like there's no other church, but a Calvary Chapel type ministry, just a simple teach Bible teaching. I didn't want to be where there was another. I don't want to build on another man's foundation. I don't want to be anywhere near another man's foundation. And that one of the reasons is because of this verse. Because Paul inspired me. Man, bro, if he could do it, Lord, maybe I can do it. And then I share with Marie and I share with the kids and it's like an adventure. Let's go for it. Let's do it. And he lands us here and I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that he used that. And I'm grateful that I can, like the testimony of Paul, that if anything ever came, I was like, I didn't build on another mount's foundation. One of the first things I did when I came to town was meet all the pastors. I didn't want to build on a mount's foundation. What's God doing here? I don't know what he's doing here. I just came here. I just got a job. That's, I don't know. Aurora, Aurora, it's, I heard it snows here and they shut the airport down. Aurora, you know, it's like, it never cried. They shut, they shut the airport down here. We used to get mad at Aurora in my office because our checks used to be sent from Aurora. That was before direct deposit was real popular. And our checks had to get on a plane in DIA and come to my office. And I had hundreds of people upset because they shut the airport down. And I remember saying, what kind of city shuts the airport down? <laughs> What is that all about? As I'm looking out my window and the palm trees and in and out is right there and I'm like, and guess what? I know now. <laughs> oh, I hope you get the heart of Paul here. He's not heavy handed with them. He's not trying to lord over them. He's not trying to take advantage of them. He's not dumping his authority on them. He's doing what I did just a little bit. It's just sharing his life. You guys, you guys got to remember. You got to remember God brought me to you. You got to remember we had good times. You got to remember that I'm not boasting. I don't have any need to boast. You know I'm, God put me in your life. I know I don't look good. I know I don't sound good. I know I'm not what you... I, it's, it's, they're strong words, but they're words of love. So that by the time he ends the chapter, he ends it with the greatest statement in the whole chapter. It says in verse 17, this whole thing of outward appearance and comparison, he says, but he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. 
You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can listen through our app, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. We'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through our new website at AboundingGraceRadio.com by clicking on Contact. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of The Third Option by Miles McPherson. In it, Pastor Miles speaks out about the racial divisions in today's world and encourages us to see people as God sees them. It contains awesome practical takeaways and exercises to help you understand the points of views of others. I think you'll also be inspired and encouraged to make positive changes in our country, starting with yourself. Again, ask for a copy of The Third Option when you call today at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Your generosity helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Making a donation to the ministry is easier than ever, as you can now do so through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Tell a friend about these daily studies, and then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from 2 Corinthians. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.